Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the book of Acts, with part three and the final teaching on how to become a Christian. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 37. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, that is in the aorist tense, repent, and be baptized, each one of you, Epito Onamat Jesu Christu, on the basis, on the foundation, on the authority of the name. Of Jesus Christ based on your knowledge of the person and work of Jesus Christ who is Jesus Christ you crucified him but God made him both what Lord and Christ Lord of the universe seated with the Father the Father will put all his enemies under his feet let's understand let's have a great faith that Jesus Christ is Lord of the universe. And so he says, Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How to become a Christian? He spoke about the call of the gospel. It's very important that the gospel is preached, the call of the gospel, general and special. But then the issue is, Satan has blinded the eyes of unbelievers, therefore there has to be regeneration. Regeneration. Because without the Holy Spirit, we can receive nothing spiritual. Regeneration. Eyes are open. We understand spiritual realities. We understand that we are sinners. We understand God is God. We understand there is hell, there is wrath of God. We understand the gospel, Christ died for our sins, and all that understanding comes through regeneration. And number three is conviction. And I said many, many, vast majority of evangelicals fill the church, but they never experienced anything called conviction of sin. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, piercing through, that you feel the weight of guilt, and you cry out, what? What shall we do? We murdered the Lord of the universe. Our sin is enormous. So number four is repentance. Let me tell you, when a thief repents, he stops what? Stealing. The Bible says, he who steals, let him steal no longer. An adulterer, when he repents, he stops committing adultery. And any other kind of repentance is phony, it is false, it has no meaning, and it gives us false assurance. Number five, faith. 
Those who welcomed the word were baptized. And faith has three elements to it. Knowledge, agreement, and finally what? Trust. And James speaks about that faith because it is only knowledge and agreement. But never this entrustment of our souls to Christ. Now and forever. And that's why people are always anxious and confused. Because they, have, they are not trusting in Jesus Christ. When we are worrying and anxious and confused, it is an affront to Jesus Christ. We are saying that Jesus Christ is not capable, not mighty enough, nor compassionate enough to help me. May God help us to have such vital faith, saving faith. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. That he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. Which is ourselves. Our whole life. We committed unto him. Against that day. Number six. Baptism. The sign and seal of the covenant. It gives you the great assurance. That God has brought about salvation. In your heart. Baptism. Also tells you that you are separating from the world and Satan. And world philosophy, world culture, world everything else. And what you are uniting with Jesus Christ in his death and in his burial. And in his resurrection that you may live a new life. <laughs> That's what baptism is all about. And it is public, everybody knows. You cannot be a secret Christian. Baptism doesn't regenerate anybody. Regenerated people are baptized. And they are baptized into a church, isn't it? Added to the church. Number seven. One moment they were dead. Next moment they are alive. One moment they were outside. Next moment they are inside feasting with Christ. And seated with Christ. The prodigal son was outside one moment, but now he's inside. There is dancing, there is rejoicing, there is great celebration, there is a lot of food, a lot of communion, a lot of enjoyment. That's what Christianity is, not a pain in the neck. If you think Christianity is pain and drudgery and duty, you are not saved. You are still outside. Your eyes are still blinded. You pray that God may open our eyes. So that we will begin to understand what Christianity is all about. The greatest thing in the whole world, become a Christian. A Christian experiences this reality which St. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. For God who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts. New creation. Light turned on, understanding given to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It is the greatest life in the whole world that you cannot give the whole world for it. The whole world is nothing. And so there are seven things, isn't it? But the one who is added to the church has experienced a few things. First, forgiveness of sins. 
forgiveness of sin that comes, that word affessin comes from afiemi, the verb, which Plutarch translates divorce. Sin is divorced from you. Guilt is divorced from you. It has gone from you. <laughs> Never to see again. Isn't that wonderful? Forgiveness of sins. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh what? Away the sin of the world. He should be delighted with that. Because there is no other way of receiving forgiveness of sins. Demosthenes translates this word this way. Legal discharge from all obligation arising from a bond, from a debt. Legal discharge. You owe a lot, but you don't have to pay anything. Isn't that wonderful? The debt we owe to God was infinite. Our sin was infinite, but it is all paid for. Legally discharged. You owe nothing. Isn't that wonderful? Plato translates this verb, afiemi, this way. Emancipation of a slave. Slave is emancipated. Set free. And also exemption from all punishment. There's no punishment for you. And I hope you understand the significance of this forgiveness of sins. Isaiah 38 and verse 17. Isaiah puts it in this way. You have put all my sins behind your back. This is anthropomorphism. But it is telling a great truth. That God, not anyone else, but God himself against whom we sinned. He himself put our sins behind his back. Meaning he will not see it. He will not remember it. It's behind his back. Turn to Isaiah 43 and verse 25. And here it is. I even I am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake. And remembers your sins no more. Your transgressions are written. On a slate. On both sides. It's full of it. And God himself wipes it clean. No detergent in the world can do it. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all our sins. Blots it out. David prays for this in Psalm 51 verse 1 and verse 9. Blot out my transgression. Erase it. Totally, completely. And once God erases it, it is gone. No way to discover it. It is gone. Or Isaiah 44 and verse 22. I have swept away your offense like a cloud. The cloud of our sin that separated us from God, Isaiah says. But there was a mighty wind of God. That came and swept away the cloud that separated us from God. And now we are brought back into such wonderful communion with God. Sin is no longer there. The cloud is gone, swept away, wiped out. 
And Micah 7 verse 18 and 19, we are told that God himself treads our sin under his feet. And he uses another language. He hurls our sin into the depths of the sea. Forgiveness of your sins means all sins. Past, present, future, all guilt, all punishment, all hell is removed. Including the original sin. What is original sin? Sin in Adam. Which gave us the sin nature. Even the children are born with that nature. We participate in the guilt of Adam. But all is gone now. Everything is clear. Once again the sun is shining. God is smiling. Once again, we can come to the very presence of God with confidence and boldness. Come on, come on. There is the great embrace. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And St. Paul tells in Acts chapter 13, verse 38, he made this argument in Pisidian Antioch. And he says this, therefore, my brothers, he's speaking to the Jewish people in the synagogue. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know through Jesus, through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through Jesus, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That is forgiveness of sins. I think that's, they received, repent, they received that. And so they came into the church, how? As children of God, saints, brothers and sisters, sons of God. Number two. Of course you are going to, you receive forgiveness of sins, what else you will receive? You shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, you see, that's what Apostle Peter and everybody else received on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured upon them. And these people saw the fireworks and the sound and all that. And they came. They want to know what this is all about. He said, this is that. What Joel prophesied. That in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Men and women. Masters, slaves. Boys and girls. Sons and daughters. Upon all flesh. And this will prophesy. And the idea is. Yes, you will receive forgiveness of sins and more than that, you will also be baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, it is the Holy Spirit who regenerates, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts, it's the Holy Spirit who gives you faith, it's the Holy Spirit that does everything. But he's speaking about this great anointing. <laughs> Repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the last days he'll pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. You see, Jesus is pouring out his spirit upon us. Men and brethren, do you see that? And you will also get it. He will pour out his spirit upon you also. He shall clothe you with power. 
And you shall be enlightened and empowered. You shall also prophesy. You shall be sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You shall be anointed by the Holy Spirit. As we are anointed by the Holy Spirit. We speak about Holy Ghost. May the Spirit of the living God fall upon us. And become fearless and confident. That we will declare the old fashioned gospel. No matter who calls us cooks and fools. And we are fools for Jesus sake. We refuse to believe in anything else. Because there is nothing else worth believing. Everything else is falsehood. Nothing else can save you. Nothing else can remove the enormity of my guilt. And you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. What refreshment, what power, what understanding. The spirit who called you, regenerated you, convicted you, granted you faith to believe shall come upon you and clothe you with power and seal you with the seal of total assurance of salvation. He will come upon you and, and he will give you gifts. For the edification of the body of Christ. And the effectual proclamation of the word. In the world. It will come upon you. Let's turn to the. Turn to the book of Ephesians. And chapter 1. And verse 13. In whom. You also. Having heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. That's the first thing. First thing is what? Hearing the gospel. Isn't that true? Hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. So look at St. Paul speaking in Ephesians chapter 1. That's the first thing. Second, in whom also having believed. So I believe there is a progression here. First is the hearing of the word. Second is what? Believed. In whom having believed. You have been what? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The promised Holy Spirit. But simple reading of the text tells us. Repent. Be baptized. Ye shall receive. The gift of the Holy Spirit. That is this sealing. This anointing. This baptism in the Holy Spirit. That Peter just received. As a result, he was enlightened, emboldened, and he stood and declared to all people, you crucified him. But God made him both Lord and Christ. And God poured out his mighty Holy Spirit upon us. What a way to live. All sins forgiven. And not only that, the Spirit of God being poured out upon us, as the oil was poured out upon Aaron, as the oil was poured out upon David and the prophets and the priests. And it is now poured up out upon you. And all of a sudden timid people, fearful people, <laughs> unenlightened people, stupid people. Begin to be enlightened and empowered and strengthened. They will stand up to declare the gospel with boldness and confidence. And Gideon, remember Gideon, he was in a cave. Timid. But then you read Judges chapter 6 and verse 34. The Holy Spirit came upon him and clothed him. As we read in Luke chapter 24. You shall be clothed. 
with the Holy Spirit of promise. And all of a sudden, what happened? Gideon is bold and confident, going out war, unafraid. That is Pentecostal endowment. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for what? The forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. A living way, a new and living way is opened up through the body of Jesus Christ. And we come into the very presence of God. Hallelujah. The throne of judgment is removed. There is the throne of grace. We are inside. Hallelujah. We are not shut out. We are inside. Isn't that true? Sons and daughters. The prodigal son wants to be a little slave. He said, no son. You are still my son. He have reason to celebrate. It is not some kind of positive thinking and self-delusion. It is God forgave my sins. And God poured out his Holy Spirit upon us. May God help us to taste and see that the Lord is good. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, a part three of this message entitled, How to Become a Christian. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.